The Chicago Bears wide receiver that needs this training camp the most is Chase Claypool. And how he does over the next six weeks will set the foundation for his success or lack thereof this season. You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter, at CoxSports1. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, at LockedOnBears. You can like Locked On Bears on Facebook. Join the Locked On Bears Facebook group for even more Bears talk. And make sure you hit that subscribe button on the Locked On Bears YouTube channel to keep up with all of our video podcasts as well. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we especially love our everydayers tuning in five days a week as we ramp back up to a full five days a week podcast from here on out. We're getting ready for training camp right now with our training camp previews, continuing on with the wide receivers today. We'll look at why this training camp is so important for Chase Claypool in particular, and why I think this is kind of the moment, this is the time that's really going to set the stage for the whatever he's able to do this season, good or bad. We'll also check in on some of the other younger players at wide receiver that really need this time that we'll kind of get some clearer answers about guys like Valus Jones and Tyler Scott this season. And I also want to check in on some of the guys that were here last year at training camp, where now all of a sudden there's a heck of a lot more competition on this roster and none of their roster spots are certainly guaranteed or handed to them the way they may have been last year. But for me, this, this training camp for Chase Claypool is so pivotal. And I think it's going to go a long way towards determining what his regular season looks like. We're all looking for Chase Claypool to be better this next year, certainly than he was last season, but also more generally try and get back to the level of play that we saw him play early in his career with the Steelers. I mean, that's what Ryan Poles traded a second round pick for was for the 875 yard receiver, his rookie season in Pittsburgh, not the guy who ended up at 451 last year split between the two teams, but really only had like 14 catches for 140 yards in seven games for the Bears last season. Two catches a game for 20 yards was not the player the Bears traded for, and they need him to be better this season. And that starts with what he's able to do at training camp. We know that through the course of this offseason, there have been rumors, speculation, whatever you want to call it, about Chase Claypool's motivation and his sort of you know, internal drive to be the best that he can be on the football field. We talked about how that's doesn't seem to track with everything else we've been hearing. Justin Fields kind of raved about the attitude change he's seen from Chase Claypool this season. And this is really his first offseason with the Chicago Bears after he came in halfway through last season. And I think the idea is that, okay, we can kind of, I guess, excuse right off, maybe even ignore last season's Chase Claypool showing with the understanding that now this year he has a full calendar year almost, or certainly a full regular offseason to learn the offense, to get on the same page with Justin Fields and to be as comfortable as possible, as opposed to being thrown out there in the middle of the season, having to learn everything on the fly and adjust to a new team that wasn't really that consistent at passing the ball anyway. And some of those things can start to explain more of why Chase Claypool wasn't successful last season. 
But if he wants to have that success, then this season, this off season needs to be the time that he gets on the same page with Justin Fields and gets as deep of an understanding of this offense as possible to get the biggest role possible and be as successful as possible. And after minicamp and OTAs, we learned that he had been dealing with some, you know, soft tissue type injuries and was in and out of practice a little bit. And even Matt Eberflus, the last we heard from him, wasn't 100% certain that Claypool would be good to go for training camp. Expects him to be, but I don't know that was with 100% certainty as we read between the lines a little bit there. And so like first and foremost, Chase Claypool needs to be on the field at training camp. He needs to be there for as much practice as possible. You know, Alan Iverson said, we're talking about practice here. We are with Chase Claypool. Practice really does matter for not only is he generally speaking a young player, he's played a lot of NFL snaps, but especially a new player on a new team. If you compare it to like DJ Moore, who very quickly got on the same page as Justin Fields and has been very, very quickly like building that really strong wide receiver to quarterback connection. It feels like he's way ahead of schedule in that regard that you would expect for a player that just came in in March. It gives off the perception like Moore is ahead of Claypool, despite Claypool being here a full, what, six months longer and had regular season games with Fields. I mean, maybe that's not an accurate reality, but that's what the perception feels like here from the outside. It's really on... Claypool at this point to be out there and get as many reps as possible to best understand the offense, but also get those repetitions with field, the muscle memory field and understand your quarterback, how he likes certain things, how he likes certain routes. So he can understand you and how you run certain routes and how you like certain passes and really getting on the same page because DJ Moore is going to be number one wide receiver. He's already on a great path. Darnell Mooney has been injured all off season, but he'll pick back up with fields pretty quickly. And so like, there's a lot of mouths to feed all of a sudden. And Chase Claypool has got to determine where he fits on the depth chart, but also just in the passing offense because Cole Komet's going to get a lot of receptions. Robert Tanyan might be a you know bigger part of this as a second tight end. Certainly running backs out of the backfield, they're going to catch passes. You know, is, is Chase Claypool the third option passing after Moore and Mooney? Is he the fourth after Moore, Mooney, and Komet? You know, how, how does he, or, or can he surpass Mooney and be the second option? I don't think anyone thinks he can be Number one over Chase, or number one over DJ Moore, but you know Claypool's got a lot he can determine for himself here. And if he goes through training camp and has more injuries and misses more practice time, and then is slow to get on the same page with Fields and to learn the offense with like actual like translatable reps, then I think that could lead to a slow start to the regular season and a bigger learning curve, and it taking longer for him to get comfortable in this offense and ultimately not being as productive in a contract year. Like this all starts now. If he's a regular, I mean, if he stays healthy through practice and it does really well at these practices, really gets all primed for that regular season, then he can kick off running and really start to get back to Chase Claypool form. But if these injuries continue to be a problem or for whatever reason, like he's just not, it's not connecting well at training camp, I think that bleeds over and leads into a disappointing regular season. So a lot of pressure, a lot of eyes on Chase Claypool. And I think training camp will be a big indicator of what's to come in this regular season. He also has some really talented young players behind him on the depth chart that also want playing time in this offense, are going to be competing for those snaps and that role in this passing game. So we'll take a closer look at what we want to see from Bayless Jones and Tyler Scott, the young guys at training camp, next on Locked On Bears. The Locked On Bears podcast is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. And right now you could take your first swing at betting Major League Baseball on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet 
amount in bonus bets up to $200. So if you bet 20 bucks, you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's $200. You can bet on certainly everything from the money line to the over under to who you think is going to hit the first home run, but you can take those bonus bets and bet on your Chicago bears on where they'll finish in the NFC North this season. Week one odds against the green Bay Packers, uh, the bears over under win total loss and so much more all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus when you win, you can get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on this upcoming football season or major league baseball than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on FanDuel official partner of major league baseball. If Chase Claypool falters in any way, or certainly if he suffers injuries, a couple of young guys are right there behind him on the depth chart to try and snatch up some of his playing time. And I'm particularly interested in seeing how Valus Jones develops now in his second training camp with the Bears, and also what Tyler Scott is able to show us in his first year and first training camp on the Chicago Bears. Neither one is guaranteed a, a particular spot on the depth chart. I think at this point, both players are guaranteed a spot on the 53-man roster. Certainly Tyler Scott, as a rookie fourth-round pick, they will be patient with. He will have a spot on this roster. They're not going to cut him and practice squad him. And as disappointing as Valus Jones was last season, he was a third-round pick last year. Like, even if even if he's not doing well at receiver right now, I still think he's got a certain level of, like, guaranteed patience built into him in his evaluation and how the Bears view him on this wide receiver depth chart. And I do want to get into some of the other guys on the receiver depth chart in a minute, but you know, you look elsewhere, it's Equinemius St. Brown, Dante Pettis, Simba Webster, and then guys that you probably haven't heard of much before, like Darice Fountain, Joe Reed, and the two undrafted rookie free agents, Thyric Pitts and Aaron Crookshank. Like we'll get into this a little bit, but to me, like there's a clear seven guys at the top there, more Mooney Claypool, Equinemius St. Brown, Tyler Scott, Valus Jones, and Dante Pettis are kind of the clear top seven. Webster would clearly be eighth, and then everybody else behind them is kind of training camp body type, but open competition to see if anybody could be the surprise this year. But it's Scott and Valus Jones who feel really locked in to their roster spot. And any of St. Brown, Pettis, or Webster could easily be cut, moved on from nothing really guaranteed to them. But they were all, for varying degrees, part of the roster last year, especially Brown and Pettis, who I want to get into here in just a little bit. But for like Velas Jones, given how much of a disappointment he was last season, a lot of that I think we associate with special teams. I mean, he dropped a pass or two on offense and maybe fumbled on offense once or twice, but like it wasn't like offensively he was a disaster by any means, but he was a disappointment sort of by omission, right? The, the wide receiving core last season was pretty abysmal, right? This was not a group of like highly talented guys that were pushing Velas Jones down the depth chart the way it is this season with more Claypool and, of course, Darnell Mooney still at the top there. But last year, it was after Darnell Mooney, again, wide open, same guys. Equinemius St. Brown, Dante Pettis, and at the start of the season, Emir Smith-Marset came in off waivers from the Vikings and seemed to be pretty instantly ahead of Velas Jones on the depth chart. Like, the problem wasn't that Velas Jones came on the field and was bad. It was that Velas Jones couldn't get on the field more. Like, they did not have much ahead of him in terms of guys that were clearly more talented or better. But for whatever reason, Jones, as far as learning the offense, performing well enough at practice, like we never got a super clear answer on, on what was his 
limitation there. But for whatever reason, he wasn't on the field on offense nearly as much as you would have thought or would have liked. Like he got out there. It wasn't like he was sitting on the bench all game and not playing at all. But like that was an opportunity for a young wide receiver to come in and make a name for himself on offense. And he just couldn't do it for whatever reason. So now I want to see what kind of progress can he make? Has he made in the last year? And is he making at training camp? Can he be more of a a route runner, right? I think we see him as a gadget guy right now who you want to get the ball in his hands on a screen pass or something underneath so he can make plays. And maybe you can throw it to him deep down the sideline with his vertical speed. Can he add more to his game? Or at the very least, can he do those things more consistently to demand more playing time and even a bigger quote unquote gadget role in this offense? Because he's not going to be one of the top three receivers on this team. At best, he could be fourth. And even that seems like it's pushing a little bit with some other really good guys competing with him, including Tyler Scott, the rookie from Cincinnati, who we're also excited about as a young player that can come in and, again, be that a similar type of thing, a vertical receiver with some speed to take the top off, but also a guy who you can work in underneath and try and let him make some plays after the catch. We know the Bears have been working him in the slot a bit more, much like Darnell Mooney's been playing a little bit more slot, but both guys can play on the outside as well. Slot was not something that Scott was asked to do a ton of at Cincinnati. And so it's been a learning period and an adjustment for him. And I'm curious to see how that goes for him. And can he then use that speed to be a better route runner, you know, working over the middle of the field, you know, deeper crossing routes there. Can he, can he be shiftier to separate, you know, on, on more firm routes working over the middle of the field? Can he, can he be more of a crafty route runner? And can he, like, how will he and Valus Jones separate themselves? They certainly are built slightly differently as players, and they're not the exact same skill set by any means, but you could envision them being in slightly similar roles in this Bears offense. And so who's going to get those play? Who's going to get those snaps? And if you want to work in a screen pass to a speedy receiver, is it going to be Vilas Jones or is it, or is it Tyler Scott? Or if you're going to work in a deep shot to a speedy young receiver, is it going to be Vilas Jones or Tyler Scott? Like they're, they're sort of competing head to head in, in some ways. I mean, not only for just playing time in general, but some of the same types of roles. So how those two continue to develop at training camp will definitely be a point of significant interest for me. And it's something I want to be keeping an eye on here as we get into the training camp season here. We're just like, what, a week away here. They start reporting next week and we start getting practice updates and a lot of other good, fun stuff coming there. But it's not just them either. Like those two guys are guaranteed, but the real, I guess, like battle, you know, guys fighting for their jobs, their paychecks, their livelihood is some of the guys that were here last season that are a little bit more of the veterans that don't have anything owed to them and not guaranteed anything, and but have a little more experience than DJ Moore, Chase Claypool, and Tyler Scott, not only in this offense, but also in the NFL when it comes to Scott and, and, and Valus Jones. So we'll check in on the real battle for the bottom of the wide receiver depth chart and how special teams will certainly play a role in that next on Locked on Bears. Last season, certainly everything wasn't just handed to Dante Pettis and Equinemius St. Brown. There were still competition as far as who was going to make the 53-man roster and who was going to be the starter. And I, I neglected to include Nikhil Harry in that conversation when I read off the list of names earlier. Same with Byron Pringle. Both of those guys were a part of training camp and then injured during the offseason. So it ended up being sort of by default some of the competition ahead of them. Tajay Sharp gets injured. Nikhil Harry gets injured. Byron Pringle gets injured. And boom. Equinemia St. Brown and Dante Pettis are kind of like two-year starting wide receivers with Darnell Mooney last season. Now, all of a sudden, not only are there more bodies ahead of them like there were last year, but there's some like really good, talented wide receivers ahead of them. And 
again, I don't want to say that it was handed to them last season, but nothing is going to be handed to them this season. Like, it's more like they kind of almost made it by default. Like, they had to earn it. They had to perform well enough at training camp. I mean, they did beat out the likes of, of Valus Jones. You know, they kept Valus Jones on the bench. They kept Nikhil Harry on the bench when he was no longer injured. Like, they did earn some of their way, but now they've really got to earn their way. Those guys are not guaranteed anything, any kind of playing time. And with two young guys that we just talked about really ahead of them on the depth chart, you might have St. Brown, Pettis, and Simba Webster competing for one roster spot between the three of them. I mean, maybe two if they come, depends on if they keep six or seven wide receivers, but it feels like five guys are set and they could realistically stick with just five guys. I think the initial 53 man roster last season was just five players, Pettis, Brown, Mooney, Emir Smith-Marset and, and Bayless Jones because of Pringle and, and, and Harry. And of course, Tajay Sharp was injured and released much, much sooner than that. So those guys aren't, aren't guaranteed anything. And I mean, none of them could make the roster in theory, especially we can't, I never like to completely count out or discount the other guys on the roster that we're not as familiar with the Doris Fountain, the Joe Reed, the Thyric Pitts and the Aaron Crookshank, because you never know when one of those guys emerges as, you know, the preseason hero, the training camp hero, the, the Dane Sonsenbacher or the uh, Jesper Horstead. He's at tight end, but there's another wide receiver in there. Another, I, I am picturing white short slot wide receiver that wasn't Dane Sonsenbacher, but I'm struggling to think of another name. Let me know in the comments on YouTube or on Twitter if you can think of your other favorite wide receiver slash pass catcher training camp heroes over the years, like a Dane Sonsenbacher. But they don't, there's always the possibility that one of those guys is able to eclipse one of the guys ahead of them. Because again, like Pettis and St. Brown have, have bounced around the NFL a bit and are not, well, St. Brown's been two teams, but still like they're journeyman type players. And any of these other guys certainly are in a position to surpass them, even if they're not going to get past Scott and Jones and then the three starters really at the top of the wide receiver depth chart. But like all of a sudden, you know, Equinemius St. Brown, it's go time, man. Like you and Dante Pettis, you're going to have to earn your keep even more so on special teams this season then compared to last season. I think they both played special teams last season, and that was part of the equation of making the 53-man roster. But like now, you're not really deciding over keeping EQ and, and Pettis based on their ability to help this offense. Like, sure, that's part of it, but who's going to be covering on kickoff return? Who's going to be punt returning? Pettis is, is in the punt return conversation for sure. You know, who's going to be covering on punts? Who's going to be blocking on kickoff returns? You know, th those guys are really going to have to make a name for themselves there, especially because, you know, we know... Bayless Jones is a returner, but how much other special teams is he going to do? We'll see. Tyler Scott's a little bit small to do like a ton of the other special team stuff. I mean, he, you could see him as a potential like gunner or coverage guy on kickoffs or punts perhaps, but we'll see how much special teams he's going to do. You're going to need some of your backup wide receivers to contribute in that position. And right now, Mooney's not, Claypool's not, Moore's not, Bayless Jones as a return man only. I mean, Mooney maybe is a return man only, but like, and Scott, maybe some, but we'll see how much. So like St. Brown or Pettis or Webster, like that position might really come down to who can make the most tackles on special teams, who can execute blocks the most effectively on special teams. And it won't have nearly as much to do with how well they run routes, how well they catch passes and how well they make guys miss after the catch. And so, you know, I don't know, does that disadvantage Pettis if if you feel like you got better punt return options and maybe Economia St. Brown can be a better coverage guy, perhaps? Or perhaps Dante Pettis, you feel like he gives you the best ability as a punt returner, which feels like you want to aim higher and do a little bit better than that. But 
one problem at a time here, right? Right. Like if you don't trust Bayless Jones to catch the punt consistently, it was Pettis who they went to in his place. Maybe you don't want to put Mooney as the full-time punt returner so he can be effective on offense. Same with Eddie Jackson. Like you don't want to make him the full-time punt returner so you're not detracting from him at safety. And so by process of elimination, is Dante Pettis the guy who you trust to call a fair catch and also catch the ball? Even if even if you're not as excited about him as a touchdown machine, although I think he's had returns, uh, long ones in his career dating back into college. You've also have, I mean, but at the same time, then they're also competing with other guys for those special teams roles, you know, like a Tristan or like a Travis Homer as a return man and special teams guy as potentially the number four running back versus the number six wide receiver. If they're going to do similar things on special teams, which one do you keep? Like all of a sudden your roster spot battle becomes not only with the other guys at your actual position, but then other guys at other positions. You know, is there a sixth or seventh cornerback? that can do all the same things as you on special teams or better, that you'd rather keep an extra body there because he can cover and he can block on those better than you can as the wide receiver. Like that's going to be interesting to watch. And especially I think the preseason is such a key window into how the Bears view some of their special teams guys. Either the guys who aren't getting a ton of run in preseason games because they trust them already. You know, like you don't typically see the special teams aces of the past, like Sherrick McManus or DeAndre Houston Carson. They wouldn't play a ton in the preseason on special teams because you already know that they're good at special teams. So they would be running other guys through to try and get as many snaps for them as they could. So either you're not getting special team snaps because they believe in you or you're not getting special team snaps and you're screwed if you're not getting special team snaps in the preseason. Like if you're not already a proven commodity there and you're not getting that playing time, then your chances of making the 53 are pretty darn low. So I think we're going to see a lot of Pettis and EQ in that role and, and Simba Webster as well, who has some returnability in there. And I, I mean, I think one of them, I think the Bears will keep six wide receivers and one of them will make the team just to have some sort of experience in there. At this, at this point, my money would be on Equinemius St. Brown because he was re-signed the earliest and has the familiarity with Luke Getze. And also, like, Pettis is a little bit more of a slot player, which Mooney is and Tyler Scott is. You know, I kind of see them as the one and two on the slot spot. I mean, maybe Pettis could be the, the better backup slot there, but you have more redundancy in the slot there as opposed to, like, Equinemius St. Brown as more of a big-bodied outside receiver. Like, you've got you've got speed guys in Valus Jones and Tyler Scott Equinemius has more of the length and height and, and some speed too and some vertical ability, but just to mix up the body types there and the skill set a little bit more, I would think Brown St. Brown is going to be the, the favorite there, but very open competition there on the back end of wide receiver that we'll be keeping close tabs on right here on the Locked On Bears podcast. So make sure you hit that subscribe button on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's going to be the best way to keep up with all of our daily in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We'll be bringing you training camp updates all throughout the week leading up to the start of training camp next season. Working on bringing on a potentially slightly bigger named guest to talk about one of the positions in particular that's particularly relevant to him. That's a hint if you want to start to piece it together, although we haven't confirmed anything yet, so no guarantees there, but we're, we're working on some scheduling stuff behind the scenes. We're also working on a cool new partnership that will bring you behind the scenes of Locked On Bears a little bit more, give you a little bit more direct access to the podcast to be a part of the conversation and some exclusive content that will only be available to you hardcore locked on bears followers there we're, we're gonna launch probably next week and i'll give some some more details here as the week goes on but some cool stuff coming your way we're working on the pipeline with training camp right around the corner so i hope you'll keep tuning in keep making locked on bears your first listen each and every day 
because in exchange, then I will give you another opportunity to bear down. <laughs>